the amount that needed to be done was uh, was a hundred thousand. They wanted a one percent deposit down on the ten million, and all of this sounded great. I just I was out of money. I didn't have the funds. So what did I do? I contacted a an acquaintance. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I've created from the lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Regan Rodriguez. Regan, are you ready to join our mission? I'm ready. I'm ready. In fact, you're on a mission too. I want to introduce you to the audience, Regan. Regan Rodriguez is a futurist and founder of Worthy Domes. Regan is also an iconoclast known as a cultural pioneer for his integration of creativity and spirituality. His humanitarian project, Worthy Domes, serves to build communities, and his motto is, together, may we be the hands and feet to those in need here at home and around the world. Regan and his wife, Abigail, currently split their residence between Miami, Florida, Puerto Rico, and San Miguel Allende. Regan, take a minute and tell us about the value you bring to this world. Oh, wow. What value do I bring? Well, (laughs) Oftentimes, maybe you might feel this way. I I don't feel I offer a great deal of value. That is a good question that we should probably ask ourselves. Did you specifically want me to answer what yeah. my business does? And that got you. I figured you can you what can answer value that. I add is I'm walking down the street. Ah, I don't know. So well, it's not, it seems to me from our conversation, the value that you bring is that you take action when you see someone in need or people in need. And that's not a value that everybody has. So- Well, thank you. Yes. What Worthy Domes does is we get plastic from the ocean. We recycle it and we turn it into housing, into shelter. People refer to it as affordable housing. I say, no, it's it's sustainable housing. It's going to last longer than the home you live in now because it's- made out of plastic. We know how bad that is from the environment. We make them in a dome shape, Andrew, Mm. and I specifically developed them that way so that they're hurricane proof. So they're, they're made that way for aerodynamics. When the wind blows, they just go. They're also earthquake proof. And as you know, there's a lot of wildfires that take place also in the U.S., like in California. So they're also fireproof. Mm. That is the little bit of value that I add to this world we're temporarily in. We are indeed temporarily in it. In fact, yeah. I had an old Lincoln Continental in 1963. <laughs> I had it here in Bangkok and took care of it for 10 years, drove it a little bit and just enjoyed it. And then one day a guy came along and said, hey, you want to sell that? And I said, yeah. And I sold it. And then I just realized like, we actually hold things temporarily in our lives and in this world. You know, If you think you can hold anything permanently, you can't. We all, you know, end. So that was kind of my reminder. Sure. Just 
tell us a little bit about how the process works as far as getting the plastic and then transforming that plastic into the actual dome. Sure. I'm smiling because I, I don't want to give away all my trade secrets, although I will say that maybe this can help mm. all of you if you're watching or listening to this. The key is really relationships. I know the point of this podcast is worst investment or if people have been taken advantage of. And my advice is form relationships, real ones. I've noticed over the years that sometimes we may have what I call kind of superficial kind of friendships, meaning you might have been friends with that guy for 10, 15 years, but you don't know what their fears are. You don't know what their what their vision is, what their dreams are, what you have is shared experiences. You had chicken wings, you had pizza, you had, but you really don't know that much about them. Mm. And with that being said, I think I forgot what you were going to, what was the question? What were you saying? Oh, that trade secrets. That's right. So I have established good relationships with people. And as a result of that, I've got one source over here that helps me with the recycling of the plastic, another that helps with melting it and then turning it into the molds. So all of that that's been put together or what you see on my website, I didn't put all of that together. It's, mm. it's happened from connections here, me then meeting someone else, that and just I'm really going to share. I'm going to share the screen here for the viewers just so you can get yeah. a picture. For the viewers that are, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, perfect, yeah. And and maybe I'll just describe for the listeners out here. We're seeing a, we're seeing pictures of different domes and the exterior, and the domes seem to have like land or you know plants and stuff on the sides grass, of them, ivy, grass, yeah. that type of thing. And then also we're seeing the insides of them, which look very futuristic. When I look They're at, they're going to look. Andrew, I'm sorry to interrupt. They're going to look, it's very similar to the inside of your fridge. It's the same material. The difference is your refrigerator maybe only has about a half an inch. We make these six inches thick of polyurethane, polyurethane. Wow. Just like your stove. Mm. Your stove is with the same material, but it's only about a quarter of an inch. So that's why when you heat your stove at 400 degrees it doesn't heat your entire home at 400 right <laughs> but imagine that's why with our domes we make them six inches thick so right. you don't need air conditioning you don't need heat they're not going to get hotter than 74 degrees which is what i air condition my home at here yep. in miami my wife and i do they're not going to get colder than 69 so we have 300 of these in canada and people don't need heat or or air. Haiti Amazing. as well. Yeah. So I'm going to come back at the end of the podcast and I'm going to ask you your goals for the next 12 months. And, you know, I would love to hear more about kind of where you think you can go with this so that we all understand what you've got. But let's hold the audience in suspense because I think we've got some really other interesting stuff to get into. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Wow. It started when there was that really bad hurricane that happened, the Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Irma that took place in Puerto Rico and Miami, Naples as well. And again, through the relationships with my attorney, 
my CPA and other friendships that I had made, I was able to land a FEMA contract. Now, hold on, right? You would think you're you're now worth millions if you did that. Well, I kind of landed it, meaning I got it. But then at the end of the day, they wanted to see an actual plant. They want to actually see them feel the, the actual domes. So I was not successful in actually getting it. I mean, I wasn't getting it signed, but at the end of the day, it didn't go through. So I needed to raise 10 million to build a plant and to have robots, very similar to the robots that Elon Musk has at Tesla. And those robots would then make the domes because there were so many homes that had been destroyed because of the, the hurricane. So as a result, I, I needed to raise 10 million. And you know, if when you're raising capital, it's, it's not that easy. So I figured either I could find 10 people to put in a million, 20 people to put 500,000. So there I am with my pitch deck, smiling and dialing, if you will. Yep. And I am referred by somebody that I was told that, well, that was two. It happened twice. But what I was told was that if I put money in an instrument, and I don't know if you've heard of that, where it's a bank guarantee is what they're called in the UK. In the US, they call them standby letter of credits. And what they say is that if you put, say, 1% down or 2% down, they will leverage that. Mm. And within 90 to 120 days, your fund will be developed and you'll get started on this humanitarian project. And they Mm. say that this was established during the Marshall Plan and this is what helped UK get back on their feet. I'm assuming I can kind of see from your eyes, you've heard this pitch or scam before. Am I right, (laughs) Continue, yeah. (laughs) So I, of course, run this by my wife and I say, look, all we need to do is we put 300,000 down, which by the way, was everything I had in my savings. And I said, and here's what they're going to give us. Not one plant, but three. I said, so we'll be able to do this in Africa and we'll be able to help the homeless in Africa. We're going to do this in Puerto Rico. We'll also have another plant in India. Of course, my wife said, who is very intuitive, I don't know about this. I, again, start explaining a little bit more. And I say, look, the money doesn't get touched. It's an escrow. And as you might imagine her, and she does have a very good intuition. She said, I really don't feel right about this. So I thought, well, she just doesn't know what I know. So when this all goes through and we have our 30 million, I'll get to then say, See, honey, I I told you so. so. Yeah, well, I wire off the funds and about four or five months later when things aren't happening, because I was told also that the funds would come in simultaneously, she could just kind of feel, right? Mm. Phone calls come in. I take the call outside, right? Which, by the way, I'm hiding things and there's anything I learned. This is a tip for all of you that are married or want to get married to a woman hiding things is equal to lying. Hmm. So I'd go outside, come back. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's a few months later. We're sitting on the couch and she said, hey, Regan, can can you do me a favor? Open up that 
that account of ours that where we've got our savings. Can you open up that? Just sitting there like this. Oh, what do you mean? Can you just log in? Log in. You know how much we have? You know, I'd like you to log in right now. And I'm standing, I'm like this. And she said, you wired off the funds to the UK, didn't you? To that bank in London. So I won't get into all of that mm. other than to say, as you might imagine, it puts quite a strain on your marriage. Yep. And yes, the, the money was gone. There was no, we tried going legal and yeah, it, it didn't. Then after that, I got into what I think is even worse investment. I get a call from a, uh, a scammer that claimed he managed a family office in, of all places, Beverly Hills, California. And when you would call on his phone, of course, he was operating out of a burner phone mm. that he bought somewhere in Beverly Hills. And he said to me that because they've got you know relationships with all of these family offices, that they allocate some of those funds towards humanitarian causes and because they're in California and they're very green, they like that I recycle plastic from the ocean and that it's so on this scenario, it also required a deposit. And at that time I had no money, but I was so, so down on my luck, if you will, mm -hmm. that I just really wanted to believe. So what did I do? The amount that needed to be done was, uh, was a hundred thousand. They wanted a one percent deposit down on the ten million, and all of this sounded great. I just I was out of money. I didn't have the funds. So what did I do? I contacted a an acquaintance. It wasn't a friend, an acquaintance that I knew that had a lot of money, and I told him about my situation, my scenario. He wasn't so empathetic about what had happened. He was more looking at, about the opportunity. And he mm. said, look, Regan, if it really works that simply, and you don't have to pay the money back, then I'll tell you what, I'll lend you the 100000 When you get the $10 million line of credit, all I want is just pay me $200,000. i will mm. be fine. So I said, okay. And then when we realized it, we had been frauded, this, you know, he knew I didn't lie to him, like the funds didn't go to me. He had them go directly there. But still, when things kind of unwinded and he's like, you know what, Regan, I trusted you and I did it based on what you said. And so you're going to pay me back. And I said, OK, I, th I think that makes sense. I don't have the funds. So why don't we just set up some kind of a, uh, a payment plan? And he said, yeah, we can set up a payment plan, but keep in mind, I don't just want the 100, I want the 200,000. So that was in 2016, Andrew. I am still making payments on that. And the payments keep going up because there might be a month where I say, hey, I don't have it. Can you give me till next month? And so I don't know when I'll ever have that paid off, but I, I make the payments mm. every month. Mm. and it's fine you know so tell us the lessons that you've learned from this these two experiences well as i mentioned 
to you before we we started this. I have noticed that usually people that are scammers or fraudulent some way, they usually seem to be very well polished, very intelligent. Again, I don't want to stereotype on that. Mm. Let me let me answer your your question of what we really learned. Mm. One day, again, sitting on same couch, my wife just with a pad said, "Let's write this down." Just piece Gosh, of paper. Your wife sounds like a real smart woman. She's awesome. She yeah. is. Anybody else would have left me. She said, yeah. "How much do we really need? Yeah. How much do we really need? What what do we?" So we start writing it down. Right? What kind of a home do you really want? What kind of, so we start writing it down. And what we looked, what we realized is we don't need that much. And all of the stuff that we thought we needed, or I thought I needed, were just to impress people I didn't like, right? You've heard that saying, they say, what's the definition of status? It's when you buy things you can't afford to impress people you don't like. (laughs) So Make a list, make a list and realize how much do you need? How much do you really need? Mm. And you'll realize you can actually put a cap on your income and say, wow, anything above that, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need that much. So I think that's what I've learned mm. was the question specifically, yeah, what have good. I learned through this? I'm going to leave it at that. I'm okay. going to say, how much do you really need? Write it down and you'll realize all the stuff that you think you need. You really don't. It's just advertisements and your own faulty mind that tells you that you need that stuff. So maybe I'll share a few things. The first thing is that there's a great book called Your Money or Your Life, Hmm. which is, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it talks about how your money is really your energy that you've traded. You know, you've, you've traded your energy in the form of work for a salary that gives you this cash. And ultimately the exchange has been, you traded your energy for this cash. So think of the cash as your life energy. And when you start to realize that, you start to think, well, wait a minute, it's gonna take you know 12, 12 hours of my life energy to buy that fancy TV. Is that really what I wanna spend my life energy on? And I think that you know, what you're explaining is, is part of this you know, what do we really need? And the truth is, is that when you bring it down to it, we just don't need that much to survive. I would say we need good people, good relationships. We need basic shelter. We need basic food and, you know, we can survive. So that's a great reminder for everybody. And I think that over the last couple of years, people have been pushed to the limits of, you know, how do we survive on just what we need? Now, the benefit of that is that hopefully people come out of crisis like yours, as an oh. example, and oh, yeah. out of the crisis of the pandemic and the government shutdowns and all that crap. And then they come out and say, wow, I've now figured out that I need a lot less. And therefore, as my salary continues to come back and rise, I can you know, put more in, in bank and invest. So that's the first thing that I think I take away. The second thing is, you know, you mentioned about your wife and that you said she's very intuitive. Oh, unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. And, and in fact, when we talk about like gender diversity and all that, one of the benefits of having women involved in decision making is that they have a better intuitive sense. Men, we tend to, and, and I, I like to say that there's a difference between intuition and feeling. You know, mm-hmm. feeling is kind of a bigger thing and it lasts for a long time, but intuition is usually a fleeting moment. And men, 
kind of bulldoze over that fleeting moment of doubt or question, whereas women seem to pay more attention or some. So speaking of what you learned as well, a lot of the times we have it, we just choose to ignore it. Meaning if you look back at all of the times that you have been, if I can use the word taken advantage of, of, I mean it in a different way, meaning maybe someone overcharged you for this, or maybe I mean it in that way. Mm. If you look back, because I know myself, just about every single time that that's happened, I saw the red flags, but I chose to ignore them. Mm. My wife, Abigail, doesn't ignore them. If she notices it, she'll stop right then and say, why is it that it's even if it's in the back of my mind, why? Mm. Yep. So when you notice that red flag, don't ignore it like most of us do. I think that's one of the most important lessons I've learned in 500 episodes is that you yeah. know, it, it is that intuition that is our first signal. And if we understand the difference between emotion and intuition and we pay attention to intuition, we probably get the answers for most of the things that we face. And another thing I would like to add is that when anybody ever comes to me with like an idea or something by email or whatever, and they ask me to look at this or, you know, check this out because I think it could be, you know, whatever. I always basically, I just say, I love to look at this, but I charge for my time. So it's $500 an hour. And I expect it'll take me about three hours to five hours to get through it. Here's my bank account details. Please send the money and then I'll start reading. And it's amazing how many scammers disappear when you say that. The other thing is, you know, a reminder to everybody, there is no free money out there. There is no easy money out there. It just doesn't exist. And Regan, I, I, I have a, a book I wrote called How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. And basically, I tell people, look, it's a long game. It's a slow game. you got to be patient. Let it grow over time. You know, if you're always messing with your money, you're never going to get it to grow where you need it to grow. And you know, the young people in the audience are pretty excited because they're like, wow, I've got like 20 or 30 years that I can think about growing my wealth and they start. But the older folks in the audience always come to me at the break and they ask me the same thing. Andrew, this is good for young people, but I'm 55 and I want to retire at 60 and I haven't saved any money. And I just realized that I need a fast way to make money. And I said, if I knew the fast way to make money in the stock market, then, you know, I'd be doing it. And so there is no free money. There is no easy money. There is no fast money. There are people that get lucky and we see them, you know, win the lottery or, you know, buy the stock that goes up a thousand percent. Congratulations. But most of the time that's driven by luck. And also, Andrew, what I've noticed is most people, when they play in that market, whether it's medium term notes, instruments, bank guarantees, they're usually, they've had a lot of bad stuff happen, or they went through a bankruptcy, or they're close to losing their business. And it's, as I said, when you're down on your luck, you tend to believe a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, you got it. You, you I remember this. Big this, bets. Yep. Yeah, it would be kind of, not that I've ever done this, just something that I just thought of. It just hit me right now. It would be as if you buy 10 chips, and let's assume they were all worth a hundred dollars. And I said to you, Andrew, let's grab one, throw it here on the crap stick. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, well, Regan, come on. We know the odds. I'd say, okay. Then I did the other one. Then the other, then eight, seven, six. Then next thing you know, I only have one left. And then if you'd say to me, Hey, Regan, what are the chances you think you're going to win? I'm saying, 
Andrew, we got a 90% chance. <laughs> you don't have a 90% chance, but in our logic, it's kind of faulty. We yep. feel it that way. Yep. And that's what happens with whether it's medium term notes or it's someone that they had this failure, they had this problem, they maybe put money in here and then they say, now it's going to happen. Yep. And in fact, I've come up with six common mistakes that people have made. And number three mm-hmm. is driven by emotion or flawed thinking. And you just talked about flawed thinking because yes. the odds the odds of that particular activity didn't change just because you put nine different bets into it. The odds is still the same. If it's a 50-50, it's still a 50-50 at that point. The last thing I just want to highlight, and this is an important one, is that think about it this way. When money leaves your bank account, you will never see it again. That is the moment, the critical moment in time. And generally, this is also why it's very hard to get money out of people's bank accounts. You know, when you just try to sell a legitimate thing, people are very hesitant. Now, what's interesting is that it's amazing how I've had many different people I've talked to who are very tough at negotiating everything in their business. And then in their personal life, someone comes along and says, hey, I got a deal, this, that, boom, boom, just transfer $10,000 to this. They do it. So the manipulators out there have a way of getting your mind you know, manipulated. And so what I'm just saying is keep in mind when you're getting ready to transfer money out of your bank account, it's gone. So that's the moment that you've got to stop and think and talk to other people about what you're doing because it's gone. You cannot, you know, very difficult to get it back. Anyways, well, so based upon this story and, you know, what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? They need to raise money. They want to raise money. They've got a good cause, a business, a charity or whatever. They're not seeing exactly how to do it. They don't really know how to do it, but some people approach them. They've got some, you know, idea and it sounds legit. What one piece of advice would you give them? Think about, as you pointed out, Andrew, what is the flawed thinking that's going through your mind? Flawed logic, if you will, or or thinking and start, be aware of that. For example, I'm going to give an example. The five-second rule. You ever heard that? If you drop a piece of bread on the floor, if it doesn't reach five seconds, then it doesn't have germs. No. If it hits the floor, it has germs. How about another one? Eight glasses of water. They say if you drink eight glasses of water, you'll be healthy. I just heard this the other day from a doctor. There's no truth to that. Mm. Absolutely none. Now, I drink quite a bit of water and... In my mind, I think and we feel better when we do it, but the reality is not true. Mm. The point is when that moment comes and you're so frothed up and you're excited, you think you've found the opportunity, you know, it's really, I I guess my my feeling in, in your case is the answer to this question is listen to your wife. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's I, a lot easier yeah. I, I think i think we got to get abigail on the show next oh man that's yeah, yeah well you but know, but sure. the point is for all the listeners out there and people like me who aren't yet married listen to the people go out and talk to people that you respect and bring it out in the open bring it out in the open don't try to keep it secret you know you think you got something talk to other people about it and listen to what they say and the best advice i've ever got about listening is take notes because you can't write and speak at the same 
time. So let me ask you, Regan, what is a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? A resource. Something that you've done, something that helped you, something that, you know, that you have incorporated into your life, something that our listeners could gain from. Similar to when I said, be aware of some of that flawed thinking that you have. Learn to really listen to that voice and know which one is what, right? We all know when you have that, you shared with me earlier that you're a former addict recovering, right? There were probably times that you were walking in somewhere or going somewhere and you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking probably not wise, I probably, <laughs> but you choose to ignore it. And what I'm doing in my life now is that whenever that little thing comes in, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm aware of that voice. Build your and awareness. Very, yeah. And I'm, I'm aware of who is that talking? Is it God or is it the evil one? And we really do know. Yeah. We really do know when somebody says, well, how do I know whether it's God talking? Well, you know, if he says, I, I mean, come on, yeah. we all know. Like yeah. I said, you, you would know being mm-hmm. a re, uh, former recovery. If you heard a voice saying, walk into a, that bar and you're not going to have a drink, you know, that's not God speaking to you. Yeah. Yeah. So. so last question, what's your mm-hmm. number one goal for the next 12 months? Yes, we are launching our first dome community in uh, Puerto Rico. We're doing another one in Naples. So this is all for 2022. And three, four hours ago, I spoke with somebody that's wanting to develop a dome community in Charlotte. So this individual, she's going to buy the land and then buy the, the domes from us. And so... Naples, Miami, Puerto Rico, and Charlotte opening up in 2022. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. And why not go to worthydomes.com and check out what Regan's doing? You will be amazed and impressed. As we conclude, Regan, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. On You're quite and, welcome. Yeah, and on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Go on walks. Walk more. You'll hear voices that you didn't hear before from yourself, I mean. <laughs> Great advice. Walk. Yeah. A simple exercise, a simple activity. That's a lifelong activity you can do also with a partner or friend. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying thank you for joining our mission, and I'll see you on the upside.